Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Love Letters to Baseball podcast. My name is Jackson Roberts. I'm a former Division Three baseball player myself at Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania, and a former professional player for one glorious season in Frankfurt, Germany with the Frankfurt Eagles, and I'm going to be the host of this year's Shindig. Uh, the reason that I wanted to make this podcast is I feel like there are lots of fantastic baseball podcasts out there that cover baseball at all levels, uh, but I think that what ties everyone's story together, both at the professional level, the college level, and even down on down to Little League, is that everyone has their own unique reason for loving baseball, their own story within the game, and their own reasons for continuing to come back to the game. And, you know, I personally have had multiple times throughout my career where it's either shifted from uh, location to location or there have been times where I've you know missed the game for months or years at a time and just continued to come back to it and uh, my plan at the moment is to pursue uh, a sports journalism career and obviously I want that to remain focused on baseball as much as possible because that's the sport that I love the most and I think that uh, like I said, everyone has their own unique story, and I want to be the vehicle to kind of share some of those stories. So each episode, we'll have someone new on to share their story, talk about why they love the game, maybe talk about some current events that are going on within the sport, and uh, you know, kind of walk through a little bit of their involvement still with the game, and just kind of have fun with it, and you know, really kind of show all the different aspects of this sport that we all love. So I hope you'll enjoy all the different perspectives. And the first guest that we're going to hear from just in the moment here is one of my best friends in the entire world. His name's Ricky Conti. He was a pitcher on my college team for all four years and one of the best pitchers Swarthmore College has ever seen. Uh, but he's now moved on to a baseball, uh, an advanced scouting role with the Dodgers. He's currently a video associate is his official title. Uh, and he's just somebody who's always lived and breathed the game. But uh, his perspective on the game has obviously shifted as well. And now working for his hometown team. So let's hear from Ricky. He is a video associate with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is quite possibly the first and only colorblind D3 All-American, and he is one of my best friends. So welcome onto the podcast, young Richard Conti. <laughs> Thanks a lot, J-Rob. I'm uh, really excited to do this podcast with you, for sure. Love it. Love it. Well, the way we always like to start things off here is, uh, of course, we tailor these to our guests, and we'd like to give you 30 seconds to give us kind of your baseball LinkedIn bio. So hit us with, uh, hit us with the high-level stuff here. For sure. So I started writing for Baseball Prospectus. Um, they're like online company. They publish a lot, a whole lot of books. Um, I was in the 2020 Futures Guide, so I actually got to write the scouting report on Joe Adele, who's featured on the cover. So I could say that like I'm like a published author. It's really cool. Um, and then after I graduated from Swarthmore with you, I uh, started working as a trackman operator at a ranch in Cucamonga. And then started interviewing around for some other positions um got offers to be video associate for a couple other teams um but the dodgers like offered to like promote me kind of by offering me the video associate job as well and growing up like a dodger fan being from la it was kind of a kind of a no-brainer so worked with them through all of 2020 was very fortunate to survive like a lot of the layoffs and stuff like survive through all that and uh you know down here in arizona right now just uh, kind of prepping for when minor league spring training starts and uh yeah, I mean, I mean, you know all about my, my playing background, so I feel like not much 
you mentioned that right but yeah well we're we're definitely going to touch on a lot of your career as an actual baseball man but we're going to start things off with uh college baseball having just started up uh we were obviously college teammates uh and i just think that people who maybe you know casual fans or even longtime fans of the game who didn't play in college themselves just might not understand um, you know, kind of how unique and special college baseball is. So, uh, you know, before we get into any specifics of your college career and our shared college career, uh, you know, what to you in a few sentences really makes college baseball special? Yeah, I mean, I feel like after I graduated and became like an adult or whatever, you don't really get a lot of opportunities to be like in a teamwork type of environment where it's like every single day, it's like you and like a set group of people are going to come together going to have so much fun you're going to you're going to strive to achieve like this common goal whatever it is obviously as like an athletics team like it's going to be winning right um, but you just like i definitely feel that part of my life missing like everyday grinding with my best friends to achieve a goal like it's not to say like i don't do that with the doctors but like i think it's just because a lot of the work is remote and people are moving to remote work you kind of in general like losing that sense of teamwork but i miss that like that was something that for me like drove me to be good at baseball Drove me put a lot of effort into it. Like I knew a hundred percent coming out of high school, I wanted to play college baseball. It was like a no doubter. So for me, like that was something that was just, I'm going to carry that with me forever for sure. Well, I think there's a level of camaraderie that goes to it and also just a level of absurdity as well. I mean, back in our locker room, I mean, you had just some of the craziest characters and also just some of the moments that you don't see in these games. Uh, you know, some of the best times happen in the showers or in the weight room or in the dining hall at, but sometimes, you know, I remember these 5 a.m. Dunkin' Donuts runs on Saturday mornings because the freaking dining hall wasn't open yet. Um, you bet. Oh, yeah. I remember those all too well. That's hilarious. I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many little things that you miss when you leave it. Um, but, you know, transitioning to the game, you know, this year, are you following college baseball? And, you know, at any level, obviously, Division Three, where we played is kind of dicey on teams starting their season. But D1 is underway, and a lot of our friends are still playing D1 as well. Um, are you following? Uh, do you have your eyes on any teams in particular? Yeah, you bet, man. You bet. Um, so I have actually been under, like, with VP, going to, um, like, a lot of, like, junior college games in the area. And so one team that I've been very fortunate to be able to see is um, Central Arizona College. And here's why it's interesting. They're currently the number one ranked junior college in, uh, in, in the country. So it's like I've gotten to see like what the best JUCO looks like. And I always think to myself, like, how do they stack up against like, like our D3 team? You know, I don't know. Um, it's really funny. They have a lot, a lot of like D1 commits or guys that like bounce back from D1. Um, the high school game has been like pretty hard. Haven't seen much, um, but I've definitely been watching a ton of college baseball on, on, on like, I have like SEC plus or whatever. Um, so that's really fun for the, for the listeners back home, J Rob and I have a number of friends from our, our college team at Swarthmore that have transferred to division one schools to play and one more who's committed for next year. So like, I've definitely been following GW and Richmond and Wagner pretty closely for sure. And, and then to answer your question about teams I'm looking at, um, like Vanderbilt's like good every year. Obviously I think UCLA has a number of guys that are like really, really freaking good. UCSB as a pitcher, I think is really good. And then like the entire Mississippi state starting rotation is going to get drafted. So there's a lot of really good teams here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Vandy, who you just touched on, 
probably has two of the top five draft picks in their rotation, uh, which seems like it can't necessarily be a bad thing uh, to have going for you on a weekly in that basis. Um, but if you had to pick, uh, you know, just a, a college player that, you know, you don't think a lot of people would know the names of, because I think those are probably the two biggest names in the game right now. But yeah. somebody who you could just put in the Dodgers farm system right now, if you had your, uh, your, your pick of the lot, um, you know, what's a name that we should be watching for? Yeah. So guy, you definitely like, I never heard of guy. Um, unfortunately it comes from Vanderbilt. His second baseman, his name's Tate Colwick. Um, he was like a star quarterback in high school, but he kind of like doesn't have all of like the hype that like, you know, Kumar does or Jack Leiter. And then, um, a guy who was supposed to be a senior in high school right now, but graduated early is Christian Little. And he's really, really good. And he went to Vanderbilt early and he's playing this year. So they really have like three dudes that at some point in the live are going to be like first round, maybe even top 10, like starting arm. So they're really good. And then like Enrique Bradfield is an outfielder for them. He's really good. So Cole, take Cole, it kind of gets like, he gets like no love, but he's pretty good. He's played second base outfield for them. You know, a guy you never heard of when I say a Vanderbilt guy, but there's so many other names that in that lineup that like you're looking for that you could overlook him. Love to hear that. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about, I guess, uh, yourself, and uh, you mentioned that we have some teammates uh, I've been following as well who have transferred to D1, it's quite a unique situation. I uh, don't think that uh, we'll see much like it again. Uh, there's been not only crossover from D3 to D1, but D1 to other D1s. There's a couple of D1s who transferred to D3 for some absurd reason. Uh, right. I can't think of why they would want to do that, but, you know, go hit 500 for a couple months and, and uh, get your yeah. master's degree. So hopefully that would be uh, considerate. Uh, but we kind of missed out on that wave as 2019 grads. So I'm curious to, uh, you know, yourself, if you could put yourself on any college roster in the country, uh, you know, assuming that they had a grad program, because obviously our school did not, uh, you know, where would, where, where would Ricky Conti have ended up as a 2020 transfer? So I, I've never fully gotten around to it, but I had initiated the process for actually applying for like a medical hardship type of red, you know, a red shirt from our freshman year. So during the summer going into our senior season, I had actually made a number of phone calls to a couple of different colleges that had like masters in finance, masters in, in, in macroeconomics and stuff like that. Um, and so I had spent, I made two or three phone calls with like UMass Amherst, Texas Lutheran and Catholic. So that was, that was like a close thing to happening, but you know, there was a lot of hoops to jump through with the, with the hardship waiver. So that didn't happen, but, but yeah, I literally did talk to like three schools. So I guess that would have to be the answer to that question. There you go. Well, I, for one, am glad you did not go to Texas Lutheran. Uh, for those who are aware, uh, we did lose to Texas Lutheran in 13 innings in the 2018 College World Series to end our season. Uh, one of the craziest games that we had the chance to play in. Uh, I did get pinch run for in that game in the eighth inning, so uh, no hard feelings there, of course, but might have liked to have had some at-bats in the 10th and 12th. Uh, but moving, I mean, you know, moving on because we don't want to hear about my gripes all afternoon. Um, <laughs> we're going to do a little, uh, you know, Ricky Conti trip down memory lane here. Uh, oh, God. Well, first of all, um, we're going to ask everyone this question. Um, you know, throughout your history of playing baseball, and I'm sorry you can't include the host of this podcast in your answer, uh, who were your favorite baseball teammates and why? You can give me two or three if you want. Oh, man, I can't include the host. Nope. Oh, man. 
That's tough. So I'll start like, all right, I'll go to high school. So like my best friend that I played with coming out of high school, funny enough, his name is Joe Kelly, right? Just like the doctor pitcher. And uh, it was funny because like we, we were like, we play catch for your buddies and stuff like that. And uh, he just started throwing like sidearm one day. Like he just threw a bullpen down. He's like, whatever. And we're like, Joe, you're pretty good at this. And he's like, yeah, I am. So he started doing it more and more. And he was like, he like walked on to St. John's and he played four years and got a ton of appearances. So ended up being this like best buddy of mine playing D1 at St. John's as a sidearm when he was over the top of the entirety of high school. I talked to the guy all the time. He's like one of my best friends. And then, so going with college, like, all the definitely all the boys in our senior class, but I know if he listens to this, Charlie Levitt wants a shout out real bad. I know he wants me to say his name. I love you, Levitt. <laughs> Levitt. I mean, I, I think we could all agree that the Le- that the energy that Charlie Levitt brings to a clubhouse is uh, is unmatched for sure. And Gonzi got Steve's, but Charlie's Levitt. I've never seen anything. Charlie's Levitt. Charlie's energy. I've never seen anything like that. And give give the listeners just like a. Uh... You know, a little, a little glimpse. What, like, what would be, you know, just kind of the one moment from your memory that really encapsulates what Charlie Levitt means to a college baseball team? I can't do that because then it doesn't bring enough respect to all of the other moments I could possibly say. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think if you if you really have to pick one, there was one game. Um, well, there were there were a couple moments that really stand out, but. Uh, funny enough, you already mentioned this school. Uh, we played against Catholic our senior year, and not only was this a uh, what seemed to be a pretty meaningless game, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon right before finals. So there were people on our team who just straight up didn't want to be playing because we didn't really think we had much of a shot at the NCAA tournament anymore. We didn't make our conference playoffs, and we thought we might schedule a few more games, but for the most part, everyone who wasn't a senior was just in let's look forward till next year mode. Uh, and we played Catholic, and it was a pretty low-energy game throughout. Neither team really put up many runs. Uh, I think it was 2-2. And then goes into extra innings, and at some point Catholic threatened a little bit, and they hit a ball that almost got to, almost got to our wall, bowed in left center field. And Charlie went back and made just a sprawling catch onto the warning track, gets up, like acts like he might be celebrating for a minute because he's a little oblivious, but then realizes that there's a runner who's about 200 feet off first base. So throws it all the way back in, doubles the guy off first, ends their inning. Uh, then he comes up, just hits like a, a standard single. You know, Levitt goes deep when he wants to, but pokes a single through the hole. He steals second takes third on a dirt ball read that got like four feet away from the catcher and scores the winning run on my ground ball to short with the infield in. And the guy had to move like two steps to his right and he's just there. So I think that, you know, he's a hilarious guy, but if you actually think about the baseball player, uh, the, the ball of energy that he was on the field, those are the types of guys that you remember playing with because they just do things that you know you can. Uh, and I think that's for sure. We, we have to celebrate, you, you know, at any level, you know, because obviously Division three player, he's, you know, now he's a, working in finance and making more money than either of us are dreaming about. Uh, but those are the types of guys that you always remember. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I also remember, um, you know, we're playing Haverford, like for, for the listeners at home, like that's our, like, like that's, that's our rival, right? Cross town, like 20 minute, 20 minute bus ride and uh, bases juice. 
They're three hitters up. He's hot. He was just conference player of the week, I think, if I have that correct. Um, he was actually supposed to stay with me and, and be a prospect like with us, but ended up choosing Haverford before he even, he even got to visit SWAT. Anyways, get kids a tank. Um, and Charlie just makes this absolutely absurd uh, catch to, to rob the home run with the bases juiced. And it was, I mean, he's done something. I've told this, I've told this people before. Uh, and and I, I know this is going to inflate his ego, Omega. But I really You've think have already that done that. I, mean, I, I know, right? <laughs> um, I think that he could have stuck. Like, like, if you put him, I don't know about a lineup, but in a major league outfield, like, he could stick there. Better than most major leaguers. I thought he was that good in the field for sure. Wow. I mean, <laughs> he's <laughs> he's speechless right now if he is indeed listening. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the funny thing about the funny thing about that too is he had the the shortest arm circle I've ever seen from an outfielder at the college level. Uh, and when he would just throw to the cutoff man on like a single, it would be that you'd think the guy had the worst arm you've ever seen. But then he would go sliding into the uh, left field corner on his knees and whip the ball from his knees back into the shortstop with no problem. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's the worst assessment, to be quite honest with you. That's, that's pretty fair. Yeah, he definitely picked and choose when he was going to show off. <laughs> what may or may not have been an, been an arm. <laughs> well, transitioning from Charlie to a little bit of discussion about your own college career, we're going to have a little bit of self-trivia here. Uh, and everyone who comes on this podcast is going to get a score out of six on the self-trivia. And uh, you happen to be the first victim. So I've prepared some questions about your baseball career and maybe things that aren't necessarily baseball related as well. Uh, and we'll just see how you remember yourself. Uh, no Googling. And here we go. So oh, question, God. question number one, what was your college career batting average against as a pitcher? Um, I have multiple choice for you. So All right. A, 239, B, 251, C, 268, or D, 274? Oh, shit. We're going with 269. That was not an option, but also incorrect. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, <laughs> I must have misheard you. What was A? A was 239. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're going to go with A. The correct answer is B, 251, which is oh, quite respectable. But I don't know, man. I guess some too many guys put little infield singles to third base for it to be 239. Those, those two seams in on the hands, did you in? Damn it. All right, 0 for 1. Let's 0 go. 1. I'm ready for the next one. It happens. Shake it off. Question number Shake two. You faced a lot of opponents, but there were two opponents in our conference, the Centennial Conference, for those out there who may not be familiar. Great Division Three conference. Elite baseball programs. Which two Centennial opponents did you never step on the mound against? And it's a point per here, so this is a two-point question. Okay. I know for a fact that one of them is – oh, my God. I, I thought I knew it for a fact, and now I'm, like, second-guessing myself. Oh, poop. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to guess Ursinus is one of them. Ursinus is one of them. That's okay. Cool. Okay. I'm just going to run the list of people I have faced. Okay, <laughs> Hopkins, Haverford, F&M, Dickinson, McDaniel. Gettysburg, Muhlenberg. 
Oh, whack. <laughs> you just named all of them but one. So Washington yeah. College is correct. That is two yeah. points. The first two points in the history of self-trivia. Let's go. Number three, what is your career high pitch count at Swarthmore College? And oh, again, we have multiple choice here. So A, 108. B, 112. C, 119. Or D, 126. Okay. I'm trying to think how back long, to like my How long was Mitty's leash? I know, right? Okay, I think the complete game against Cortland was like not a hundred. If I remember that being like a key fact. Yeah, it was like I did it like ninety-eight or something. Ninety-five, I think. So I'm trying to think of other like long games that I throw. Maybe like some of those FNM games. <sighs> All right. Uh, uh, read, read A to D again. Read, read them to me again. 108, 112, 119, or 126? 112, final answer. Oof, just missed it. It is 108. The, the leash was not that long. You never got to the 110 mark. Dang, who was it? That, I believe, was the – I think it was twice our junior year, and I don't have the stat page. Uh, maybe I do. Um, but if you give me a sec here, I know for a fact one of them was the playoff game against FNM. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was – yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. Playoff game against FNM, and then Stockton, only seven innings and a complete game shutout uh, on a Saturday doubleheader, but 108 pitches. For both of those? Dang. Yeah. 108, wow. and there's, there's a 106 at Willamette, too, uh, which was not a fun game for any of us. But That was a fun game for nobody, right? <laughs> all, three bad series. all three of them fun for nobody. Uh, but okay, we're, we're one of three, but we've got two points. So there's okay. still two more points potentially to get. Uh, but we're going to veer in, in some different directions here for the last couple. So uh, right. in that Cortland game that you just mentioned, which was, I mean, for the, for the people who may not know, Ricky pitched a complete game in the second round of the regionals against the highest ranked team we had ever faced. So not bad stuff there. Uh, but against Cortland in the dugout, I suggested in only the sixth inning that it might be time to get someone hot in the bullpen because oh, thank you. slowing down a little bit. Who told me that you still had a lot left in the tank and they oh. said so very correctly? Was it A, Max Kassan, B, William Line, C, Jackson Ramey, or D, Adam Shower? Wow. I was going to say Dan Kasofsky, but obviously that's incorrect. Well, I wouldn't have told Gus that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh... – Kassan, Bill, Ramey, and who? Adam Shower. Who do we think had Bill. the most faith in Rick? I think Kassan's my boy. Kassan, final answer. It's got to be Maxie. Kassan probably did have a lot of faith in you at that point, but the correct answer is Jackson Ramey. Wow. Felt extremely confident in young Rich at that point, and things were borne out. And, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I I would have guessed that you would have thrown like 90 pitches at that point because it was a 2-2 ball game. And he was like, Ricky's throwing like 60 pitches. He's probably doing okay. And he was absolutely correct. So shout out, shout out to Jackson Ramey, ever listen. Shout out to you, brother. Appreciate the love. 
Smart man, smart man. Uh, and lastly, you recorded the lowest Yahtzee score in the history of Room 202 in a game that you played by yourself, by the way, which I'm not sure why you felt like you needed to tell us, but we took note and we put it on our board as the lowest score in the history of the room. So what was that score? I have no, I have 90, no idea. 94, 97, 103, or 115? Ninety-four. Oof. Tough. It was a hundred and three. Tough day. Less than his pitch count, though. So still an elite low number to put up in Yahtzee, and I'm not sure how you managed to do it, but it will live on immortal in the history of Room Two Hundred Two. Dang, I know nothing about myself. Look at that. Apparently not. But we've set the the marker to beat at two points on the same question, by the way. So impressive impressive work there. And we'll see how our other guests do, uh, how they stack up against young Rick. But from here, we're going to move into a little bit of the pro game. Um, You know, and and yourself, you know, you fully transitioned to the pro game now. Um, So, you know, just before we talk about, I guess, you know, kind of what you're, what you're, role is and and how the work you know i guess has kind of been going um how did you end up with the dodgers and i remember when we were first in college i I think you were just in the process of switching your favorite team which is a unique tidbit that i don't think many people do but uh, i give you credit for saying the angels are not very good i'm going to become a dodgers fan i'm going to stick to it and it seemed like it pretty much worked out for you um but there how did you end up working for the dodgers yeah, so there's a website called uh, Teamwork Online, and that's that in Fangrass is where a lot of jobs are posted. And um, they really only post like full-time jobs. And so what I think what happened is I applied for a job I was totally unqualified for, right? Because I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to throw my name in there. But they had people already at TrackMan and Rancho. But one guy had gotten a job like with Disney or something. It's like a wild story. And uh, they needed, they needed like someone to step in and fill in. Cause how it works is that we have Rancho and like one other technology, like Mike, no, I'll say, but um, it's funny. But <laughs> so we have three, three guys like working there kind of like on rotation um, just cause there's, you know, two pieces of technology and uh, like one of them was dipping. Right. So these two guys are picking up all the work and it's you know, like, sometimes you have another job or whatever. So I think because I applied to a job with the Dodgers and they were going to my resume, they probably saw like, oh, this kid lives in the Rancho area. He's going to graduate in May. We're going to need him in June. Um, you know, baseball minds, workplace, college baseball, like the suits a fit. And so I get a call um, from a gentleman named Ethan Levin. He's our uh, director of baseball. He's a manager. Um, he's a coordinator. Like the, the, there's so many different names for titles in baseball operations of, uh, of baseball strategy, I think. And um so he just calls me up one day, like he says, sends me an email and he's like, I want to talk about, you know, your background. Something like, okay, it's going to be an interview, like prepping and stuff like that. He gives me a call and he's like, so like play college baseball. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, and you're from like LA and Rancho. Like you're going to be in there. Like you're going to go back home to like Claremont and stuff. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, great. So, you know, yeah, the job is like, uh, you know, doing the home games, doing track me and you're comfortable. I was like, yeah, do you understand the data? I'm like, 
we have Rapsodo at Swarthmore, so it's like totally understand the data. And he goes, great. Well, it was nice talking to you, right? Hangs up, whatever. I'm like, so great. So my parents are like, so like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. He said one great and stuff like that. And then a week later, I get an email. And he's like, hey, uh, fill out this employment paperwork. And I'm like, oh, I guess I, I, guess I have accepted a job with the Dodgers, you know? Um, so it was kind of like, I was like forced to take it. But obviously, it was a good thing. And I was totally more than happy. I wasn't going to be like, hey, are you offering me? Like being dumb like that or something. So but that was really, that was really fun for that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Just get this random email asking me to fill out like an I-9 or something uh, for employment. So that's how I got started. And then like once you're in and like you could throw a team on your resume, that's when like people really start looking. So that's like kind of how I got to where I am now is that just through connection within the org and then, you know, reaching out to other people and other orgs and stuff like that, getting interviews that way. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people our age, uh, you know, can not only, uh, you know, kind of envision what the job search process might look like. But uh, in addition, people who have been in our position and played college baseball probably have all thought at some point about going into professional baseball as a career. And most don't. Uh, so and, you know, as someone who hasn't myself, I'm curious as to uh, just how is the work stacked up to, you know, your expectations for working in the sport full time coming out of college? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I only speak to what it's like to like work for, you know, one team. It's hard to talk about the industry, but, um, so what I'll say with the Dodgers is that they hire, it's like some of the smartest people. So like it, it was a lot like going to sports more where it's like you show up and you sit in a class and you think you're doing well. And then you talk to one other dude in the class and it's like, Oh my God, that person understands everything. And I only understand like 75% of what's going on or something like that. So it's like, a little, not gonna lie, like a little intellectually intimidating, but it's like great for growth. Like I have doubled my knowledge since I graduated. Um, but, and then, you know, people talk about like how fun it is and stuff. And that's totally fun. I mean, sitting there and, you know, a big part of my job is operating the different technologies, like whether it's Edutronic, Rapsodo, track, Portable TrackMan, like whatever it is, Bats, um, which is like most of what I do. It's just so fun being able to sit there and like literally like, 100% of my job consists of watching games, charting games, watching bullpens, charting bullpens, watching live babies, charting live babies, you know, like, and that is so fun. You just get to watch so much baseball and so many different players. And, you know, what people forget, you know, these people are celebrities, right? But I don't work at all on the major league side, but on the minor league side, like, you forget that they're people too. They're like, they're like, just like you and me, you know, they, they love Chipotle. They, they have a shoe collection, you know, they, they call their parents every night or whatever, like people just like you and me. And so it's kind of fun to also like be able to interact with so many different walks of life. Like whether it's like a kid who was a big time prospect, something happened, bounced back to Juco or that big first one on pick from Vanderbilt or, or whatever, or that high school kid who's been there a decade, but now he's nasty because he developed well, so many different walks of life. And that it's just been so fun. I highly recommend it if you're seeking a career. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good plug. That's a very effective plug. Um, and, you know, I, you did touch on it a little bit just now, but uh, obviously it's been a pretty impressive run of success here for the Dodgers, you know, culminating not just in a World Series, but I think in one of the most impressive rosters we've ever seen built in the modern era. And, yeah. uh, you know, your projected win total for this year is 102, and there's just all sorts of, you know, um, expectation that you're just going to be dominant again. Uh, but what do you think, uh, you know, particularly in terms of player development and, uh, you know, just roster building in general, 
you know, what makes the Dodgers unique and special as an organization? Why do you think you've been able to build it up to this point? Like, this isn't to, like, talk bad about other orgs. It's definitely not trying to do that. But, like, just caring. Like, you know, you, we, we, you've seen article, anyone has seen an article on, like, how bad minor league life is and how poorly you get treated. At, at our complex, you get fed two meals. You get breakfast and lunch. And it's quality. It's like, it's like you know, like eggs, bacon, sausages, whatever. And then lunch is, like, protein-rich, like beans, rice, other thing, and a certain kind of meat. So it's, like, little things like that that, like, not every team, at least to my knowledge, like, not every team does that. And then, you know, just also, like, caring about – we one thing that we say is, like, develop the person as well. Um, so, like, caring about them as people and making sure that their, their well-being and their mental health is fine and all that kind of stuff. Um, so just caring. Like, there, there are teams that just don't provide players with as many, like, personal and or athletic resources and just being able to uh, kind of do that for our guys. I think that there are a, about a dozen organizations out there right now that don't need to spend a lot of money. They just need to, like – look in that direction a little bit more and they'll get results. And I think the Dodgers obviously like being wealthy, right? Like there's no hiding the fact that like we're a large, larger market team can put resources, like just like putting resources into player development, just, just like period. It's not, you know, people act like there's like the Dodgers have like this secret or like this, this magic potion, like that one baseball America article. And there, you know, someone's on the inside, like maybe there is, and no one's told me about it. Cause you know, I'm not that high on the telephone pole, but, um, that's just like the one big thing that I definitely see is that we care about all of our minor leaguers. Like even if you're like a 40th round pick that's signed for 5k, like we care about all of our guys a lot. Well, I certainly hope that they haven't been hiding any sort of secret formula from you. Um, that would be something I feel like they would need to know, especially 10 years down the road when you're running the ship. Uh, but <laughs> just thinking about baseball right now. And obviously, like I said, the Dodgers are at the top of the heap, but, uh, you know, you must have your eye on other teams and, um, you know, not only as an employee of the team, but as a fan of the team, uh, you know, I'm sure that there are things approaching your radar this year. So, um, you know, if you're thinking about your competition, uh, especially in the National League this year, uh, you know, who are you most worried about this year? Who's potentially going to knock you down off your, uh, off your high horse on your quest to get back to the World Series? So, I mean, there's the obvious, right? The Padres. So, I mean, you've got just such a large pool of talent that, got, that clearly got better in the offseason with Darvish and Snell and Musgrove. And um, I, I forget his name, but the international player, the, the second baseman that they signed. I don't know much about him, but I hear he's pretty good. Um, and then all of these young guys, like Trent Grisham getting better, obviously, to tease as a stud. You know, your veterans like Hosmer, like the leadership clubhouse type of guys. Um, Austin Ola behind the dish. Francisco Mejia behind him, who everyone forgets about, who was a top 50 prospect only like two years ago. Everyone kind of forgets about him. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's that's such a good team. There's so much pitching. I think Chris Paddock had a little bit of like a sophomore slump. I think you're going to go back to seeing, you know, 2019 Chris Paddock, and he's going to be like a lot better. Um, you know, more John, Michael Baez, like, and they've got so many guys coming up. They've got so many guys in the system, Josh Mears hit a ball 117 miles today, miles per hour today for a home run. I, I think the world of Robert Hassel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the elephant in the room is, is them. I think it's going to come down to, you know, 
we're going to win a hundred and whatever games and they're going to win one or two less than us, <laughs> you know, and we'll see them in the NLCS. Um, and then the other team just being the Braves. I mean, I think very highly of like Albie Zacuna, obviously Freeman's a stud. Austin Riley's getting better. Um, that's a team. Mike Stroke is going to be back. I think Ian Anderson's a stud. Uh, they just have so much that that's just like a really well-balanced team. And I think those teams that are well-balanced are the teams that do well, like over a large sample size. And they do well come in the postseason because it's like they don't really have any, you know, like I think that the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Braves, like they just don't really have any weaknesses. Like you look at the roster and it's like, it's like, it's like complete top to bottom. Like there's guys in the rotation, there's guys in the bullpen, there's guys in the fields, there's guys that swing it. So those, those are the top three. I mean, I could see a situation where Padres, Dodgers, Braves all win a hundred games. I really could. I'm in agreement. I think the Braves, I mean, just as a neutral observer here, the Braves are my favorite team that people aren't really talking about this off season. Uh, and they were, I mean, they were one game away from the World Series, but uh, with Bauer going to the Dodgers and the Padres trading for Snell and Darvish, I think people have kind of not been paying attention to not only how close the Braves were last year, but the subtle things that are going on within their organization this year, they're going to kind of raise them up a little bit. Uh, you've obviously got um, the addition of Morton to the rotation in addition to getting Soroka back. So they really have, you know, six guys who could potentially be starters for them. And that's not even counting uh, our friend, uh, well, our friend's friend, um, what's his bucket? Uh, uh, Bryce Wilson. Bryce Wilson, the North Davidson grad. Uh, shout out Cole Beaker. But um, they also, I mean, you have to assume Pache is going to take a leap this year in the outfields. Uh, yeah. Albie's continuing to grow at middle infield and hopefully, you know, Dansby hits as well. So I like that. I like that shot out there. I think the Braves are going to be quite good as well. Um, yeah, so for sure. I'm going to put you on the spot here as well for, um, you know, you talked about a couple of teams that you think are going to overachieve or at least, you know, achieve very highly. Uh, give me one team across the league who you think is going to underachieve this year. And no, you're not allowed to say the Red Sox. I was going to say there's some low hanging for here. <laughs> um, really worried about the Pirates. Are people expecting the Pirates to win more than 60 games, or are you just oh, saying okay. 40? No, under, okay. like, who's, who, do you, who, who do people have expectations for that you think is going to underachieve? Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Hot take is the Yankees. Ooh, there's a lot of friends of ours whose feathers are going to be a little ruffled by that. Yeah. I love it. Give me, give, me some, give me some reasons to be hopeful the Yankees aren't going to be as good as we think. The, the stable of their rotation was, was Tanaka and he's gone and they're relying pretty heavily and they're going to on really young guys, really young guys. Um, you know, you could flip a coin and you'd have a better chance of being able to guess whether Gary Sanchez was going to have a good year or good year or not. Um, Glaber's been really good. He's not been like, Elite, 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 but he's been really good. You know, I feel like Urshela is like a pop-up guy. Boyd's kind of a pop-up guy. They're bringing Brett Gardner back, who's kind of old. I hope he doesn't take playing time away from Frazier. I'm really worried about the pitching, and I feel like their offense is just really fringy. And I think that the reason that, you know, they get a lot of hype is because it's, it's the New York Yankees, right? Like, like New York fans are always going to overhype, like, their own players, right? Like, Gio Shell, Luke Boyd, like really good, definitely really good, but there are better infielders. There's better infields out there. 
you know, DJ LeMay, who, like, MVP, sure. Like, you got you got one guy in that lineup who's going to swing no matter what. Maybe Glaber. But, you know, I feel it's like, okay, Aaron Hicks gets hurt a lot. Are they going to play Frazier or not? They're, they're probably not going to when they should. That kind of whole thing. So, that's a team. And then, you know, without repeating myself, like the pitching, just really worried about their pitching. Yeah. Well, a name you didn't even touch on yet, uh, Luis Severino. Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, he's kind of, I, I think fans are just assuming he's going to be there this year. Uh, and to some extent, Kluber as well. I mean, obviously, uh, prolific career in the late teens. Uh, and then, you know, just a bit of an injury concern now, but obviously could still be very effective. Uh, but Severino, I think they're anticipating will kind of hold their rotation together. Uh, and if, you know, when he signed that contract, which I think was four years, 40 million, we're just like, oh my God, what a steal. Um, clearly seemed to be worth much more. Uh, and he's barely pitched since then. Uh, right. You know, we also remember that he doesn't necessarily know what time any game is going to start. Uh, right, so, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's but, forgot uh, about that. ALDS. Uh, but I think if, I mean, I, I think there's a great chance the Yankees win like 103 games as well. Uh, but I would not be surprised as well. And I'm, Crossing my fingers uh, as, a, as a loyalist of their art travels that they struggle. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the pro uh, portion of this uh, podcast. Uh, certainly, as a, a big fan of the game, glad to get your thoughts on the pro game, and we all look forward to opening day. Uh, but we're going to close here with uh, a little fun segment. Uh, each of the, you know, I try to come up with as many original ideas as I can, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's, there's formulas for podcasts that work that people like to listen to uh, and that are going to get uh, some, some interest just from the casual listener. So I decided to fully embrace uh, the fact that I'm stealing other people's segments. Uh, we're going to do a quick little draft here. Um, every, every episode we'll have a draft and I'll kind of have people draft uh, something that's kind of close to their heart. So uh, as a former Division Three baseball player yourself, uh, we we ran across some teams in our day that had some pretty ridiculous names, uh, and not just the college itself, but uh, the full name of the team. Uh, you know, you get some pretty crazy variants across not just Division Three, but all of college baseball as a whole. So we're going to pick our starting five uh, div- obscure college baseball team names and first and last names. So. Maybe the college name is funny. Maybe the mascot is funny. Uh, but the full team will be what this is judged on. And uh, I'm going to let you pick. So we'll go. One of us will get the first pick. The other person will get the second two picks. And then we'll just alternate one, one, one. Uh, would yeah. you rather have that first pick or do you want the back-to-backs? Mm. I want to go first. I want to go first. All right. Well, the floor is yours in that case. I got my board all set. All right. We're going to go with. McDaniel Green Terror. Yeah, I think you had to do that. That's uh, uh, a favorite from our conference. Uh, Nobody really knows uh, if you can make a terror into a monster, but that's apparently what they've done in their logo. Uh, Close to home. Uh, It's a great number one pick, and it is indeed indeed something that I'm scratching right off my list. But there are still many things in play. Uh, so my first pick here, you know, I'm going to try to save some of the ones that I don't think you will have researched to the end. So I'm going to try to throw out a couple of the big boys here. Uh, I'm going to take the Presbyterian blue hose, uh, just a really fun one. Uh, you know, you could, you could switch the S and the E at the end and it would be an entirely different name as well. But 
Uh, hose does refer to pantyhose or socks in this case, and they do wear blue socks. So uh, they could have just been the blue socks, but they went with the hose and, you know, I'm quite thankful for it. So uh, that'll be my first one. And then my number two is actually going to be the Campbell Fighting Camels. Uh, I don't see how you could possibly hate that as a team name. Um, a school that I thought was D3, but is actually D1 and apparently pretty good at baseball as well. So, um, you know, if you get, if you are afforded the opportunity to play for a team called the Fighting Camels, uh, I think that's amazing. And you should jump at the opportunity when presented. For sure. For sure. No. All right. So back to me. It's back to you. Just one right. at this point. Okay. The Pomona Pitzer sage hens, because the sage hen is an extinct animal. So they weren't tough enough to survive. So why would you name your team that? <laughs> Harsh. Well, um, you know, as, uh, as peeling back the curtain here for uh, some of the listeners, both <laughs> of us, um, Richard and myself, did apply early decision one to be baseball players for the Pomona Pitzer Sage Hens. And both of us did get rejected by that school. So um, I guess, you know, some places are just too good for us. And, you know, maybe we end up being too good for some places. But um, our lives would be drastically different if we had indeed been members of the Sage Hens. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, well, sir. that actually was not on my board. And I think that's an extremely strong pick. Uh, and it does throw off my strategy a little bit, but I'm going to take, I'm going to stay in division three as well. I'm going to take the Yeshiva university Maccabees. Um, they are, they are extremely fun in basketball. Their baseball team, not so good. And they are also in the worst division three conference in the entire land. Uh, but they're fun to say, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, if you're going to be a, a primarily Jewish university named Yeshiva. You do have to find a good Jewish mascot to go with it. And I think they hit the nail right on the head. So I'm happy to have them on my squad. Love it. Love it. So am I next? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. The Amherst Lord Jeffs. I don't know if I might have to throw the challenge flag on that. They are no longer the Lord Jeffs. You can oh, still what? Take them if you want, you can still take them if you want. They, I don't, the, the pull back the curtain here for folks, Lord Jeffrey of Amherst is who their team was initially named after. Uh, he was the founder of the, uh, of the town and possibly of the college as well. Uh, but he also built up a reputation for, uh, giving, infecting the local native population with smallpox blankets. Uh, so just a really horrible human being. Uh, and in 2018, I believe, the school reviewed their name, said, hey, maybe we shouldn't call ourselves uh, a, a smallpox blanket person. And they changed it to the Amherst Mammoths, which is still pretty fun, still pretty unique. But I don't know if that throws off your selection or not. Uh I see. I thought that was a steal in the third round, or you know, dang. Mammoths, but you can't have the Lord Jeffs. You're releasing me off here. Okay, let me go for a crazy one. I absolutely hate this team name. So, like I said, I've seen Central Arizona College, and they are the combined DB Niner Vacanos. That's the whole thing. Please repeat. Yeah. Please repeat. I don't think I fully understand what I'm listening to. DB Niner. 
the Central Arizona College DB Niner Vaqueros. What does that even mean? Like, where, where does I have the no DB idea. Niner I absolutely advise it. Their jerseys say DB Niners on it. Wow. Well, like the letter D B nine E R S. It's ridiculous. Wow. I don't know where that comes from, but yeah, that's an absurd pick. And you know, it's, uh, that could potentially win some hearts. Uh, not sure where that came from, but I will do some research into it out of a point of interest, but back to me. Um, I think, I think this one's kind of a twofer and I'm excited to have it in the fourth round here. Um, division two, We've got the Arkansas Tech Wonder Boys, and as a bonus, their female sports teams at Arkansas Tech are called the Golden Suns because obviously they are. Whoa. So officially, I just have the Wonder Boys, but I feel like in spirit, I get the Golden Suns as well. And I think I'm a pretty strong little tooth there. Wait, that's an excellent pick. You really beat me with the research here. That's a crazy like, combination they got. I did, I did have to just Google, uh, you know, D2, D1, and D3 absurd team names. I didn't give – I probably should have spent the time and dug into a little NAIA as well. But I think I got my Ds my, – my three Ds pretty well covered. Oh, man. I, I, maybe I should have found a couple more D1 ones then. Um, so I'm going to go – I'm going to go back to D3. Yeah, I'm also going to go back to the homeland of Claremont, California. With the Claremont Mud Scripts, those three colleges, Claremont Mud Scripts, Stags, and the women's teams are the Athenas. Terrible. That's a lot of words. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a lot of words. It's a lot to put on a website. Uh, it's a lot to uh, you know say over the loudspeaker if you're going to introduce your team. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful. So I, I do approve, and I think that you've built a strong identity for your team in the D three realm. Um, Closing picks here, though, so this could be where you really put yourself right. over the top. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of between a few here. Um, but I think if we go off logos and, you know, people have to do their own research on this one. Uh, but back to D2 and back to Arkansas, actually. We've got the Arkansas Monticello Bull Weevils. Uh, and the Ooh. logo itself is basically a rolling piece of dirt, but it's green. And it really... Uh, it, it, it looks fierce, and I'm sure the Bull Weevils are going to be hot on the Wonder Boys' tail for whatever conference they're in this Ooh. season. Ooh. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> it's fun. I like it. Okay, I, I don't think – oh, man. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Do I, do I go back to the Juco route here? I mean, this is, you know, this is your Mariano Rivera. This is, you know, what people are going to remember is how you closed it out here. So do whatever feels right. I don't think they have a college baseball team. I should have done that research. I I pulled up the college name because I was like, okay, I don't think they have a college baseball team. So I'm going to say them. And if you have to throw a challenge flag, that's fine. Do you see Santa Cruz banana slugs? Yeah, they don't. I, I, I did my research as well. I did, um, I did look that one up. I, I would have assumed they would be in either the SCIAC or the Northwest Conference, and I never saw them in any standings. So I, I did my research, and unfortunately, they don't have a baseball team. Damn it. That would have been a good one, though. I would have been liked. a very strong pick. Would have definitely been on my board if they'd qualified. Dang. Okay. Scottsdale Community College fighting artichokes. Oh, no. Yeah, 
That's what they're called. <laughs> you know, your niche research into the Arizona JUCO market has really done you well here. And you know, it has. I don't know if they even grow artichokes in Scottsdale. If they do, then great. I'll come and visit and eat all their artichokes. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, so those are those are our teams. Um, I'll I'll there there might be a poll out there. Uh, if people do want to vote on these uh, these rosters here and see which one of ours might have been better, uh, but that's our first draft. Uh, send in suggestions if you're ambitious and think that there's something that we should cover here. Uh, I'm open to anything, and my guests will be as well because I'll train them for it. So uh, <laughs> that was fun, but I want to close on a serious note, and this is something that. Again, we're going to be doing uh, with everyone that we speak to. Um, you know, the purpose of this podcast is really to hammer home uh, why at any level, at any place, at any time, baseball is not only the best sport, but just something that deserves our never-ending uh, just, uh, you know, a little bit of thank you for what baseball has done for us. And, uh, you know, I just want to give you the floor here uh, as, you know, sharing your unique perspective as to why is baseball the best sport? Man, so many, so many reasons. Um, so here's what I, here's, here's what I say. Like anytime you're playing someone that's better than you, like in general, I say just because they're better than you doesn't mean you can't win today. And I think whenever you play it, like definitely like if you play basketball, the better team is like almost always going to win. You play soccer, the better team is almost always going to win. You play football, I don't know. feels like the better team's always going to win. Definitely true with golf. Definitely true with, you know, so on and so forth, all different swim, anything like track related as well. The better person's just going to win. I think baseball is that one beauty of the sport. Uh, it has this one beautiful characteristic where at any given, you know, it's what they say, like any given time, any team could show up one day and have a good day. And that's all it takes, you know. And that was kind of my mentality when we're facing like, you know, towards the end of our 2018 run, we're, we're playing Hopkins back-to-back. We're playing Cortland. Obviously, I'm starting these games, right? And, um, you know, even against Chicago, Concordia Chicago, which I didn't throw well against. You know, I'm going to those games like, okay. I'm just like some dude thrown in the mid-80s here. This is like a nationally ranked team. All these D1 – like all these guys are basically D1 players playing Division three level. Just because they're better than me doesn't mean I can't shove today. And that really only happens in baseball. Like with hitting, man, like all it takes like is to hit one good pitch. That's all you need. You know, if you're playing basketball, somebody like they're gonna score and score and score on you, you're not gonna stand a chance. Football, they're gonna toss you around, right? So I mean they're gonna score faster than you. But in baseball, you play with enough heart, you have enough fun, you work hard enough, you can beat someone who's better than you. And I always that like drove me to be like competitive, like obviously with my training and stuff. But even like in the game, I'm like, it doesn't matter who's in the bars or if with the guys on my team swinging, like it doesn't matter who's pitching. We can beat them, period. And I love that part of the game. Well said. And, you know, I, I not only do I agree, but uh, I really think that uh, it, it made some memories for us and it makes memories for a lot of people because of that factor. Um, Amen underdog runs and and just catching fire at the right time and being able to just you know do something that typically goes above your capabilities um it's just there's nothing quite like it uh elsewhere in the sporting world i don't think and uh certainly certainly serve both of us very well on our uh 
on our future journeys here. So uh, that's all we got for today. Um, many thanks, Rick, for coming on. I know you kind of had to since you're one of my buddies, but uh, <laughs> appreciate the time. Um, fans out there, please do send in suggestions for future podcasts. You know, I'm open to any sort of changes and uh, I want to talk about what people want to hear about. But as I said, the purpose of this is really to to just highlight every level and, and every great facet of baseball. And I think Rick would have been the perfect person to come on and speak about it. So thanks for joining bud and hope to talk again soon. Thanks a ton, J Rob. Love you dog. Appreciate it.